We bought and sold a commercial warehouse in Sarasota, Florida. We bought it for about five and a quarter million and sold it for six and a half million. We made $1 million in 71 days. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. Heard of crowdfunding and still curious about how you can benefit from it? Well, we've got a step-by-step guide put together just for you by the best ever team and patch of land, the industry's leading crowdfunding experts. The best crowdfunding crash course ever, episodes 152, 159, 166, and 173 will provide you all you need to know to get started and begin benefiting immediately. Whether it's getting access to funds for your project or passively investing in other people's deals. The time is now to get started with Patch of Land. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever to grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless and I'm here with today's guest, Jose Hidalgo. Hi, Jose. Hi, how are you, Joe? Good morning. Good morning. And you know what? I didn't do my homework as far as where you're based. Where are you based right now? I'm in Miami, Florida, in Coral Gable. Sunny Miami, Florida, home of the University of Miami, the Hurricanes, right? I'm actually right across the street from the University of Miami. There you go. Well, Jose, welcome to the show. Excited to have you on. Jose is the co-founder of Hobby Tribe, which helps investors invest in fix and flip opportunities from a scalability standpoint. We'll, he'll get to that in a little bit. He's a 20-year veteran of mortgage banking. He is one of the founders of Prospect Mortgage that he founded in 2008, which is the largest private mortgage bank in the United States. And non-real estate related. He is a triathlete, so he will run me into the ground if we ever do a race. (laughs) With that being said, Jose, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, well, first of all, uh, speaking of best ever listeners and and to you, Joe, thanks for the opportunity to have me here in your show today. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah, I think you made it you made it short and sweet. You know, um, I started as a uh, loan officer in Seattle, Washington around uh, 1995 or so. And uh, then from that point on, I went on all the way to, you know, having executive positions and, and running uh, some large banks. I was uh, involved with IndyMac Bank in the day. And then after the 2008, uh, the financial crisis, which started uh, Prospect Mortgage, who was the, the largest mortgage bank in the United States at a time. I'm not sure I've lost a little bit track of where they're at, but um, that's kind of I have a, a, a extensive background in, in loan originations and underwriting and, and risk assessment uh, on a property basis and on a borrower basis. And I think that's what brings that expertise. And of course, the context of being 20 years in the real estate industry around the United States, uh, that brings to what we do today. And so let's talk about what you're doing today. What's going on with Hobby Tribe? Well, you know, we started Hobby Tribe in uh, 2013. Uh, you know, we started after we, uh, my partner and I, Henry Batievsky, we, we did some consulting from large private equities in, in New York. And then we realized that, you know, there was a tremendous opportunity in acquiring um, distressed assets um, or discounted assets and then, you know, uh, making improvements on them for, and uh, sell them for a quick gain, like you referred to, it's known as the fix and flip. 
we started the company, we grew it to uh, today we have about $40 million under management. And they're mostly from three large investors or publicly traded companies or clients. Um, and then we decided that, you know, that that kind of uh, opportunities has not been made available to your you know normal investor that somebody that's worked really hard to to earn their money and their savings. So we decided to launch our first fund ever, Hobby Tribe Fund One, uh, to allow investors with a little $50,000 to participate in our strategy and getting double digit returns, which as you know, being an expert, is very hard when you have money to participate in, in large scale opportunities. So let's talk about some of the details around that. How is it structured if if I have $50,000 in the bank and I'm an accredited investor? Correct. <laughs> if it's my last $50,000, how do I get going? How do you double my money? No, I'm kidding. If I'm an accredited investor and I have $50,000 in the bank, what are the advantages and disadvantages to investing in something like this versus you know having your own fix and flip company? Yes. You know what? That, that is an excellent point. And I would tell you that the fix and flip business, as you know, is very fluid um, and is very dynamic. So uh, folks that don't do this for a living, that, and it's also a very localized business, as you know. So what we have done is we brought scale to the, this business. We're, we're in five major metropolitan markets. We call our anchor markets in the United States. We're in Seattle, Washington, where I used to live for 12 years prior to moving to Miami in 2005. We are um, in the Bay Area as well. I was just there until Saturday. We are in Chicago. We're in the greater Detroit market, and of course, in South Florida. So uh, I guess the, the 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 way that I can explain best is that if you have even if you have two hundred and fifty or three hundred thousand dollars and you get involved in a in a fix and flip in the neighborhood that you're familiar with, anything can happen to one property. You could be the smartest person with the best contractors with the best vision, and you may or may not do well in that one particular property. So what what our platform brings to the table is your ability to mitigate risk by diversifying the number of properties that you're involved with and also the acquisition strategies in various markets at the same time. So whether we're buying foreclosed homes, whether we're buying short sales, whether we're buying our courthouse steps properties in, in the various markets around the countries in the various price bands that we're in, that helps you mitigate the risk and you're not, you're not uh, so vested in one area all at one time. I think it's really interesting hearing your background, you know, being in the mortgage industry for 20 plus years. I think what would be good to kind of talk a little bit about is how are you underwriting these deals based on your experience and what do you look for? Very good question, Joe. And, and in fact, I think the most important thing for, for, for the, uh, your best listeners, uh, best ever listeners to understand is that when we acquire one of these properties and we begin the rehab, the end user, the folks who are buying these houses are American families and uh, their owner occupants are not going to be mid-level wholesalers. They're certainly not going to be uh, investors. Uh, there are folks that are you know, planning to move with their family, their dogs and their lives into one of, one of our finished products. So that's important for our underwriting because we have to make sure that we fall. Number one, the property has to meet the standards of a, you know, Fannie or Freddie Mac loan or FHA or VA loan, depending on the circumstances. So uh, the meaning that our finished product needs to meet that. And to that end, we perform inspections in our finished products to provide it to these um, to our buyers. Now, how we underwrite them is that we want to make sure that we are. Not we don't deal with low bandwidth properties because really anything can happen on a hundred, one hundred and fifty thousand dollar property. So you can say we're probably underwriting properties that are, I would say, 
the professional first-time buyer or perhaps even the move-up buyer. So in markets like Miami, for example, we'll be buying $300,000 homes. In markets like Seattle, we're buying $400,000, $450,000 homes. Um, in, in Chicago, we're buying probably $200,000. So after we do the rehabs, the, 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 these properties are going to meet the general demand of these markets. And we're underwriting to markets that have high velocity, that when the properties are listed, Number one, that there's, there's a shortage of inventory, and, and, and I think that's, you know, it's well known that the United States is right now uh, suffering of a lack of inventory readily available for, for buying. And in some markets, we're under three months of inventory. But the way we look at it is we have enough data because we've done enough transactions to know what the public wants. So we have a particular look and feel of our properties. But we're looking for markets that, the, for, for markets that properties, when you list them, are going to be in a very short period of time. And, and my business partner and I talk about this frequently. If we list a property on a Friday and we don't get an offer that weekend or in the next few days, the property is overpriced. So we're looking for markets that have velocity, that have, say, you know, 15 days on market or less, sometimes 30 days on market or less, that we can realize again and then continue deploying capital again. I don't know if that made sense. You're in Seattle, San Francisco, Chicago, Detroit, and South Florida. How do you become an expert in each of these very unique markets? Well, number one, uh, and, I, and I say this, we don't pretend to be an expert in any market. I think we're, we're very educated when it, comes, when it comes to underwriting the assets. But every street has a different dynamic. Uh, we have certain rules that we apply uh, from underwriting in terms of like, you know, no busy streets and, you know, your, your traditional. Um, but, you know, we rely on what we call our in-market partners, which are folks that we've known, you know, in the business for the last, you know, 15 to 20 years uh, that have d- gone through a rigorous uh, due diligence and background check. And those folks are uh, the ones that are sending us data for, for Henry and I to analyze on a daily basis. So you can think of, of Habit Tribe as a, as a big underwriting company. That gathers data. We utilize utilize technology for that a lot. We have a not a proprietary, but we have a highly customized uh, web-based software that we use. So we receive the comps, we receive what, what our calculator and uh, commentary, and then we look at history that we've had, had in that particular neighborhood, the history we have had with that particular in-market partner, or the history we have had with that particular group of uh, general contractors to make the decisions as to how we go. And also, um, Joe. We want to make sure that we're never too concentrated in one particular area at one time. So after all that I just told you, we say, okay, that property looks good in Seattle or that property good look, looks good in San Francisco or in Chicago or, or Detroit. We also look at our overall holdings and how many properties we have in those particular markets to make sure we don't get caught. You mentioned that you look at certain things from an underwriting standpoint that regardless of the market, you, you make sure are in place. For example, you said no busy streets. How do you quantify that? What's the number you look for? And what are some other things like no busy streets that you look for regardless of the market? Well, we're, because we're targeting, uh, you know, I would say, you know, the young professional or even the move up buyer, um, you know, schools are important. So we want to make sure that we're following we're falling into the right school districts in the areas that we're in. And that varies sometimes from street to street. Uh, we also want to make sure that uh, depending on, I'll give you an example, like in Detroit, in the suburbs of Detroit, uh, folks like to buy a four bedroom, two bath, a three bedroom, two bath house that does not have a lot of demand in those areas. Um, 
finished basements are a big deal uh, in in Chicago, and so they are in in San Francisco. I was just there, and you know we normally get into a situation where we have to dig to make sure we have the right height because that's what what the folks are looking for for efficiencies for having an in low unit. Uh, so every market is very specific as to what what is the demand of that market, and we want to make sure that we we have not only just the analytics that the general market gives us, but the analytics that we gain from our own particular vantage point from our the transactions that we have done. When you look at properties, who's sending them to you, and how do you keep your deal flow consistent? We have we have a very uh, which is which is the, the I think one of our one of our ingredients for our secret sauce is the fact that, as you know, Joe, there's there are a lot of local players in the fix and flip business. Okay, and these local players normally operate with hard money lenders. Those local players also have a bandwidth in which how much money they can put to work because, you know, really their livelihood is riding in every single one of those deals. So what we've been able to do is to extract uh, some of these highly qualified, you know, excellent local players in those markets, then provide them with a capital in which they are solely focused in bringing us the best properties available and we aggregate them around the country. Um, I haven't run into a company like ours. I'm sure there are others. But uh, to the scale of what we're doing, uh, we find little competition. And in terms of, of, of the deals that we get, well, you know, once you have your local market partners who are uh, licensed real estate agents. Now, I, I like to also clarify that they're not your traditional real estate agent. These are folks that have experience in construction. These are folks that have experience in um, fix and flip uh, folks that understand investing in real estate. So the way the, the way they, that we work is that they send us the deals uh, on a daily basis. We'll look at anything between, say, you know, seven to as much as 20 deals, you know. Uh, and then we make we make the decision um, to, to which one we want to purchase. Now, you would you may want you may wonder, well, why do they send the deals to you? Well, number one. Uh, we we are we take very good care of our local partners. Um, most large companies or our peer group is known for discounting commissions for realtors. So the way that we take care of them is that we make sure that they're very well compensated to keep the, the, the deal flow going. And, you know, when you're doing, you know, 30, 40 transactions a year per, per market, you know, you're, you're a pro. You, you know what kind of impact it can happen to their companies as well and their income. Jose, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Well, I think is uh, don't get caught up with trends. Uh, I think that when the trends, when you, I always say that is if I am looking at CNBC right now. So if I look at CNBC and it says invest in a particular area and I rush to that area, you know, you may be caught up in a trend. So I think it's very important that you do your your own homework and that you feel comfortable, uh, you know, going into a particular market. Normally, I always say that when something hits the news. I should have already been out of that market or I should be the one setting that trend. You know, that's I think that's something very important in this business because everybody hears the buzz in the street. um, But a a lot of folks get caught up in the trends and they don't do their own due diligence and homework. Let's talk about that from a market standpoint. How do you determine if a market should be one that you invest in? Because we've heard about Detroit, mixed bag of, of opinions there. <laughs> and I'm sure you're looking at probably North Detroit and maybe West Detroit. Correct. But how do you determine what markets to invest in? Well, I think first and foremost, you have to look at, uh, and, and, and I'll give you a little bit later on my segue with, with Detroit. Because uh, as you said, we're not buying in Detroit proper. 
where you hear all the horror stories, we're buying in the suburbs. But in general, we're looking for a local market that has good employment. I mean, I give you an example. Seattle has Microsoft, Amazon, Boeing, um, Google. Uh, you know, um, there's, there's so much employment going there. There's high education. There's good colleges. Uh, there's, there are good, healthy balance of foreign investors, a lot of Asian investors in Seattle, Vancouver with proximity. And then you have a very healthy middle class that is highly educated uh, and with tremendous schools for both, um, you know, middle school, high schools, and then, of course, the colleges that I just referred to. So that for me is a perfect storm. And you can compare, you can talk about Seattle the same way that you can talk about uh, San Francisco, the Bay Area, the same way that you can talk about um, Chicago. Then we get into a little bit more of a, of a unique market like South Florida. Uh, until recently, we had the highest percentage of uh, cash transactions in the country in Miami uh, with 70% of all transactions. And that is driven because there's a large South American group of investors that are deciding to put their money to work here in the United States. So you have to be careful in markets um, like, like Miami that you don't get caught up in a trend. And all of a sudden with the euro going uh, and the, the dollar hitting the exchange, uh, that these folks, the dollars start drying up, and then this, you know, these properties um, become stale. Uh, markets like Detroit is 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 is, for, is a little bit more of, of an affordability for us. We've done tremendous studies in there, and if you've been there, I was there about four weeks ago. It's you drive around town, and there's cranes everywhere. There's there's an industry that is forming there. There's a lot of investment that's going in the area. In the entry point is also very low, and the risk of it because the amount of government subsidies and the amount of First-time buyer, FHA buyers is large. So I think that, you know, that all plays into it. But I think you have to make sure, first and foremost, as far as I'm concerned, that you have a good industry, good employment, uh, with good education in that area. That would be probably one of the one of one of the drivers. Um, also it's worth noticing, Joe, that we do we do acquire properties outside of the, our anchor markets. We've done in Boston, we've done in Phoenix, and but where we can get most of the volume uh, is in these markets that I just referred to. What's the next market on your radar for to be an anchor market for you? You know, right now we're very content where we're in because the most important thing for us to do is to reciprocate the relationship and the trust given by our local e-market partners. So I, I can't spread myself too thin and then not being able to continue acquiring to the pace that we are in those markets. So I would say with the, uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're local being in Florida, you know, we would look at uh, local opportunities. Uh, but in general, I think we're, we're, we're very we're very content and cemented for, you know, at least for the, say, the next four to six months, we feel that we're in, we're in the right places. Just a random question. What do you think of Jacksonville, Florida? Well, I, I give you an answer, not from an investment point of view, because I, I, I don't own and have not flipped any properties that I will give you from my mortgage banking background. OK, uh, uh, I used to have offices all over the country, and that is a large government concentration of loans area. I wouldn't even consider Jacksonville part of Florida. I think it's more Georgia than anything else. So you're going to have a different type of buyer. But, you know, you have uh, you have good education colleges in there. And then you have also um, a large number of first time buyers, uh, veterans with a VA loans and then FHA. So it's always been a, a good, solid uh, blue collar market. I know that there's some iron homes in there. Um, I can tell you, which I do have experience in Tallahassee, uh, that I, I see a different dynamic there. And we do own um, an apartment complex, which is unique for us because we mostly do single family residence. This is a condominium project of 56 units. And we like it because there is a lot of government jobs, uh, folks that are, I call, credit rich, cash poor. 
that qualify for FHA loans that we can make affordability a reality to them and put a good product. But anything where you go in the northern um, Florida, you're going you're to deal with a lot of um, good, solid FHA buyers. I, I like those markets. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Go for it. First, a quick word from our best ever sponsors crowdfunding. You've heard about it and now it's time to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, is a leading expert in the crowdfunding space and they've got all the answers to your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's p-a-t-c-h-o-f-l-e-n-d.com forward slash best ever. Empire Industries provides frustration-free property management by investors for investors by managing your tenants, toilets, and turmoil. Invest in the hottest market in the country by contacting them today for two months free management fees. Call them at 888-866-6727. Okay, Jose, best ever book you've read. Well, now I'm reading Ray Kors Wild Transcend, so I'm a big fan of his Transcend. Best ever listeners, I know you like audio, so you can go to freebesteverbook.com and get a free audio version of a book like that. Best ever personal growth experience and what you've learned from it. Well, you know, as I told you earlier, we were, uh, I was in a nearly uh, near-death um, um, accident in 2010. I was hit by a driver head-on on my bicycle while training for a triathlon. So just a recovery and uh, going from being in a wheelchair to a walker to doing an Ironman uh, last year in uh, September, uh, also tremendous growth and learning experience and definitely a life-changing experience that I'm thankful for. Thank God you are better and recovered and happy to hear that you're back to doing your triathlons. Just a quick question. I mean, this is such a stupid question, but when you get hit head-on by a vehicle, what what is the feeling when that happens? Do you just not feel anything and you just wake up in the hospital? No, um, I actually got hit head on and I don't remember. The only thing I don't remember uh, is the moment of impact. I was awake before and after, I guess. And maybe it's a way of your brain has to shut down that trauma. But, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I broke my C2, the one drug quadriplegic. I puncture a lung, I lacerated a re- liver. I have a reconstructed right leg that I have a rod on it, and I have no knuckles on my left hand. So uh, I remember it. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> Best ever success habit you practice? Discipline. You know, I, I've played um, anything from amateur to professional sports in some, since I'm a young uh, boy at eight years old. So um, I think discipline and, um, you know, discipline wins. What's a way that you practice that discipline? You know, you have to stick, uh, you have to know your strengths and your weaknesses. And I think that anytime we deviate, uh, from what we know it makes us successful. We get a little bit. It's okay to put yourself out of your comfort zone. But, uh, you know, I, I think for me is I got to wake up very early every day, 4.30 a.m., 5 o'clock, do my workout, and then come to the office and, and make sure that you, you follow rigorously your routine and you do this tirelessly and, and every day in and every day out and just outwork uh, and, and outsmart the competition. Best ever deal you've done. We bought and sold a uh, commercial warehouse in Sarasota, Florida. Uh, in we bought it for about five and a quarter million and sold it for six and a half million. We made one million dollars in seventy-one days. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? Without a doubt, our our first fund, Hobby Tribe Fund One, and and having the ability to give the masses opportunities that normally has been otherwise just to folks that have significant amounts of capital. Best ever way you like to give back? You know, I think involved, uh, I'm involved with a national association it's called ARIA, the Association of Asian Real Estate Professionals. Uh, I'm in the board of that uh, local chapter here in Miami. 
trying to uh, help with education and, and anything that is related with kids. I'm, I'm, I'm always for it. I have four children myself. So best ever quote. You know, I am a, I like short and sweet codes, uh, quotes. Um, I like this quote from Benjamin Franklin says an investment in knowledge pays the best interest. How do you keep yourself investing in your own knowledge and, and growing and learning? Yeah, you know, um, you always, well, I think, I, I think removing uh, ego from the equation and, and learning and being open from learning and being open to failing as well. Uh, so you can, you can learn from that as well. But, you know, you, you have to make sure that you, you first have to, you know, make yourself available for that. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? I think that uh, something that I keep uh, reminding myself is rushing due diligence. Never rush due diligence. Never, you know, bypass your own policies and procedures. Never not trust your God. But, you know, I think rushing due diligence in, a, in my business being so fluid and the fact that folks just want you to get the deal done because if you don't buy it, the deal just goes away. I think sometimes it's better that the deal goes away. And lastly, what's the best ever place to reach you, Jose? Email jose at habitribe.com. Jose, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your best ever advice with the best ever listeners and talking about your company, talking about your experience in the mortgage banking industry, 20 plus years, you're talking about how you identify markets. I like how you got specific into some of the aspects that you look for with the different market dynamics. You know, and even the properties too, where you look at no busy, no busy streets, the good schools, and then market specific stuff like the right bed and bath mix in Detroit. You mentioned four bedrooms are more popular than the three bedroom, two bath. Uh, and then in Chicago, looking for finished basement. So knowing what that differentiator, that unique aspect is for the markets and then investing accordingly. And then also for any best ever listeners looking to identify a good market. I mean, this is a guy who has been in the industry underwriting deals for 20 plus years and he was heading up, you know, at the time it was the largest private mortgage bank in the United States. And he's telling you how to identify good markets, how they underwrite it. And the three things that came to surface there, one is good employment and then two is good education. Then the third thing you mentioned kind of in passing was a good balance of foreign investors because they're also helping bring that market to have more cash and flux in it. So also lastly, and how, and we'll, we'll end on this, you know, talking about the markets that you're in right now, South Florida, and how there were a large amount of cash transactions. So you have to watch out for that and really tie that back to where it's coming from and understand the reasons why behind it. Because as you said, as you're watching the television and you're watching these cable news stations, if they're talking about it already, it's likely too late. So you should have already either been in that market or have already exited because the uh, the masses are about to come. So thank you so much. Really appreciate your time getting to know you and looking forward to talking to you soon and hope you have a best ever week. Thank you so much, Joe, and to the best ever listeners and the opportunity to be in the best real estate investment advice ever. Hey, you, best ever listener. Do you want more? Then go to joefairless.com where you'll get tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever.